when you one communicated that way, but also showed me how I was like clearly deprioritizing and or not showing up to those one on ones, I was able to stop and really reflect and be like, holy crap, this entire time in my head, I've been thinking that you were okay because you know, it was like a matter of business. And I was thinking of all the busy things that I was doing, but I wasn't thinking about your feelings at all, to be honest. Hey, Chris. Hey, Maggie. So it's just the two of us today. Um, and we, so last week we did a really cool recording, I thought, where we mm-hmm. kind of did a deep dive into the foreword of our book, which as you know, and as hopefully people know, um, I wrote. And so I was able to kind of talk to where my inspiration came from. And we had a really cool conversation around fear mm-hmm. in the workplace specifically. So something that I thought would be cool was to have kind of those deeper conversations around each chapter of the book um, and and maybe not necessarily the entire chapter, but something out of each chapter and have just a candid conversation. So I invited you today because (laughs) your story about you and I is in chapter one. Yes. Um, So I was gonna say it's caught so many people's attention. Like at this, that's one of the stories that people, if they meet me in person or virtually, they like. I can't believe Maggie told you those things. I'm like, <laughs> really? <laughs> like, so I'm excited to dig more into it. So, mm-hmm. so for context, Chris, will you just give us a quick version of the story in case people haven't read it yet? Sure. So um, a while uh, back before we published the book, we had a lot of things going on. And Maggie, you were um, asked to lead a number of initiatives around marketing, website, and all of these sort of, um, I would say, high high visibility, high risk, high profile projects. And um, you were new to the organization, new work to the organization that you are now, of course. Um, but you were also sort of trying to get your bearings on a lot of things between transitioning from a client project into this work. Uh, let me know if I'm not getting context accurately. Uh, no, so hold me that's honest. correct. It was my very yeah. first like internal <laughs> project ever. I was on this one large account yeah. my whole yeah. time at Softway up until this point. And so, um, and I was sort of the, uh, this sounds like a really fancy title. I was the executive sponsor (laughs) for the work that you were in, right? So it was under my purview. It was something that I was accountable for to the rest of the organization, including uh, Muhammad, the CEO. And in the midst of all of that, a lot of other things were swirling and plate spinning. Um, Not that as an excuse, but you would be setting up these one-on-ones to get time with me to go through what you were struggling with, what you had questions on, what you needed direction on. Just, just like, it was big and small stuff. So it wasn't that, you know, it was just like, oh my gosh, I need help with everything. It was like, you had some very pointed needs that you needed addressed and you wanted it to be a collaborative decision and discussion versus you just making a guess or not knowing what I truly wanted or needed or expected. Um, on my end, I didn't know all of that. Now I'm telling it in hindsight, right? But I didn't know all of that. And so I would be in meetings back to back and a lot of my meetings would just keep going over and over and it would unfortunately impede with or compete with your one-on-ones. And in my head, I I would just say like, Maggie knows that I'm in these meetings. She knows, she can see my schedule. She She knows that I wouldn't just stand her up, right? And like, that was again, my 
my mind telling me that, right? That was my um, my fault, so you, say, so you can say. Um, not that this is something that other leaders or anybody else should be doing, but this was just the, the way I justified, you know, continuing on as is. Um, and then one day you were, you know, bold and brave to say like, Chris, we're having this one-on-one. I need you to come to this one-on-one. Can you make this one-on-one? And I, I, I really need you to be there. Now I'm, I'm putting emphasis on it, but she was nice. She was polite. She wasn't like, just like, no, you better be like, it wasn't that type of style. But I could tell that you were serious about it and you really wanted to have it. And I was like, okay, I'll come. Right. And, you know, this was when we were in person. This was pre-COVID. Um, so go into the room and, you know, you just sit me down and say, Chris, I feel like you, I'm not worth your time. I feel like you deprioritize things and I keep trying to have these one-on-ones and, you know, no matter what I do, you don't show up. And so this is how I'm feeling. And that was like a like slap in the face in the right way, in a good way. It was a good slap. Um, and when you, one, communicated that way, but also showed me how I was like clearly deprioritizing and or not showing up to those one-on-ones, I was able to stop and really reflect and be like, holy crap, this entire time in my head, I've been thinking that you were okay because you know, it was like a matter of business. And I was thinking of all the busy things that I was doing, but I wasn't thinking about your feelings at all, to be honest. Um, and that made me stop and think like, oh, wait, like she really wants time with me. And it took me back to when I was your age in your, you know, in your spot in my career. And if one of my senior leaders who I really was looking forward to meet with or who I just needed to align with, because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I I could be making the wrong calls here and you might see something I don't see. Right. And to not to like go back to that place and and not have that or not know why I was getting deprioritized would have been a nightmare. And so at that moment, I immediately apologized or not immediately. We had a conversation and I apologized and I I wanted to figure out what can I do to make it right. Right. I think anybody who's been on the sort of not so good side of an apology, <laughs> right, is always thinking, what can I do differently? How would I make it right? What can I do right now versus later versus, you know, of course, change my actions and communication style, et cetera. And I felt so bad because right after that, I had to go out of town for a business work trip. Right? <laughs> and I was like, I know I'm going to miss our next week. <laughs> right? So like, in that conversation in my head, I'm like, I'm going to apologize, but I know I'm going to keep missing. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be there next week because physically I'm going to be out of town. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just had the idea. I'm like, I'm going to have some flowers delivered. So even if I'm not there, something will be there to let her know that she means a lot to me and she means a lot to this organization. And I don't want her to ever feel like because I, I, because I miss those, that that's really what's going on in my head that I, I, I don't value your time. So that was my side of the story. Not sure mm-hmm. if I missed anything, but that was, that was where I, I was at that moment. Yeah. Um, I, two funny things. One, you put a note with those flowers and it said, of course you're worth my time. I'm sorry. I've been bad at showing it. And the only reason I, really remember that is because it's on my my uh oh, you kept board it. right next to me yeah it's right uh it's right there the oh this is hard this thing <laughs> this little thing right there got it um so i kept it 
Um, and I, it's right there. And uh, also it must've been right before COVID when this happened, because I remember coming back to the office maybe a year later to clean out all mm-hmm. of our stuff. And mm-hmm. those flowers were sitting on my desk and they were, <laughs> they looked like a skeleton. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, like that was yeah, so uh-oh. sweet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, first of all, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this story before. One, it's in the book. Mm-hmm. Two, we've talked about it publicly many times. Yeah. Um, but what I really wanted to do in this like short little conversation was mm-hmm. just talk about, okay, the, then what? Like we yeah. had this cute story where we got to like tie it with a bow and it was sweet and great. But like what happened after that and how has our relationship grown and, um, where do you go after you have to have a hard conversation like that with yeah. a leader or a peer or, or anyone? Um, yeah. yeah. I think, and I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but I think on both sides, you're also thinking like, how do we not make this awkward for the future? <laughs> right. Like right. how do we like our next meeting, our next one-on-one, how does it not be like this awkward, like mm-hmm. typical rom-com, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, um, and how do we get back to a place where we can, communicate communicate get back to work collaborate right and not let that be what defines the tenor of the conversation and so i think immediately after that i tried to make sure that you felt heard but also asking you questions where are we with this how are you feeling about this what can i help you with instead of trying to like so how are you feeling about that conversation last week like do you <laughs> like, give me some feedback on how before like i think that is where some people tend to go with it and that feel that makes it unnatural so for me, it was really about showing up to listen. Like, yeah. what do you need? Like, let's get down to brass tacks if that's where you are. Um, and that was on my side, but not sure if you had any sort of tactics or things that you were doing to. Yeah, I think the the most helpful thing for me was the fact that, and we didn't really talk about this in the book, but and I, mm-hmm. I didn't really realize we did this until now, but we kind of set some working agreements between the two of us right. of like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm not going to get upset every time you miss a one-on-one. I'm only going to get upset when you don't tell me that you're about to miss a one-on-one and I'm waiting in the room for 20 minutes and I, I didn't know you weren't coming. So it, I, it was good for me. And I, and I want to say it was probably good for you to know it's okay that I'm not perfect, but I yeah. need to just at least communicate that I'm not yes. going to be able to be there. And yes. I think that aspect of it really helped us moving forward because I pers- I didn't want to th- I didn't want you to feel like you were like oh I don't want to trigger Maggie again or I don't want to you know <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like walking on eggshells around her from here on out and I wouldn't want that personally yeah. for mm-hmm. our relationship either so I think that piece of it of like the practical okay yeah. this is going to happen again like there's no way around it like yeah. things like this are going to happen again but how do we ensure that we're thinking about the other person moving forward even if you know, one of us fails to show up to a one-on-one in the future. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a really important piece for me. You know, I, I like going back. Yes, that did happen. And we did have that conversation. And that also makes it very easy to slip into the solution and the path forward versus sitting in that awkward mm-hmm. tense. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think that I've seen so many people like whether at work or just personally, like after an apology or a crucial conversation, it never goes back. It just never, mm. it never recovers. And I mean, there's a number of reasons why. And I think between you and I, because we we both were intentional about committing to those working agreements, 
um, and then making sure that what we were, what we were and what you were working on with me was getting the attention right and where we had issues even if it wasn't about a personal thing we were able to return back to that place of like okay we know how to establish working agreements when something isn't working mm-hmm. um and i think that that i know in the book that we talk about that a little bit in certain areas in certain places but i think you know one of the things that I always love in reading books is if you can get the behind the scenes, like, what? Mm-hmm. like okay, so now what? What then? What happened to Maggie and Chris? Like, are they good? Are they not good? <laughs> right? Um, and I think you know, if you are reading the book and you're looking at that story and it's really early into the book, I, I would say that oftentimes you've been on one side of that situation, right? Um, and I know that. I would not have had the courage that you had, Maggie, to go and tell my boss or anybody that had a title um, to change their ways, right? And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have. I'm just saying, like, I like I didn't have that courage, but I also was in an environment where that would have been welcomed. Mm, yeah. Uh, and I think that that is that's what makes our story also unique is that we had an environment where that was welcomed, um, and mm-hmm. it's still welcomed, and it's something that we continue to work on and get better at, and you know. Um, figure things out, right? And I think that if you if you're reading the book and you haven't found that in a workplace, you know you have to start being that change, right? Mm, um, yeah. I think another like peek behind the curtain about this instance is um, I was talking to my supervisor because you weren't necessarily a supervisor role for me Mm -hmm. at that point. So I was talking to a more like direct report type person about the Mm -hmm. situation before I had a conversation with you about it. And I was just like, man, I'm just so annoyed. Like, well, how am I supposed to like get anything done? And I was just kind of, to be honest, just straight up complaining, like not, not thinking of any kind of solution. just (laughs) really just wanting to like be annoyed about it. Um, And that person and, one one or two other people that I talked to about it really encouraged me because we have that culture. And like you said, Chris, I was newer. I'm not, I wasn't used to being able to have these conversations with leaders. Um, it really encouraged me like, no, you should talk to Chris about this. Like it's not going to help you by coming to me and complaining to me about it because I can't solve it. I can't make it right. Unless I go talk to Chris for you, which that's really stupid basically. Um, <laughs> And I was like, yeah, no, I don't want you to do that. I'm not 12, you know, like yeah. I, I want to, you know, do it, handle it myself. And, and, and that instance of someone encouraging me to then go talk to my leader, which I'd, I'd never done anything really like that before um, in my career um, has then helped me be a better mentor to people that come to me and are like, man, I'm really annoyed about something that this other person did. And I'm like, okay, well, have you talked to them about it yet? And they're like, well, no, <laughs> I'm like, why don't you try that first? And it sounds, yeah. it sounds so silly, but like, I also see it happening in my, my personal life too. Like I live with, um, women I've lived, with, I, I live with roommates. I've had roommates, um, since college. And so we, there's always conflict in, in roommate situations because that's normal and it doesn't, you know, whatever. But if one roommate comes to me and is like, I'm really annoyed that this other roommate didn't do this. And I'm like, did you tell them that you wanted them to? And they're like, well, no, <laughs> just go tell them. Like it, it sounds so scary, but like, 
it doesn't have to be, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. confrontation, that's like a really like mm-hmm. aggressive sounding word. <laughs> it, it doesn't have yeah. to be angry. It doesn't have to be dramatic and emotional. Yeah. It can mm-hmm. be like, and Chris, you say this, but, and I, and Brene Brown says this, um, clarity is kindness. And that's something yeah. that I, I personally try to practice not only at work, but at, at home and with friends and family, because if people don't know my expectations, how do I, why, how, how do I hold them to those expectations? Right. You know, and I completely agree. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the fact that, you know, someone said it would be stupid for me to go and talk to Chris for you, but that happens <laughs> in so many organizations. Yeah. Like a small little, it could have been a miscommunication. It could have been a misfire. It could have been a misunderstanding, but it turns into something bigger because like, well, I'm going to tell my boss to go and talk to your boss about this. And since we can't, I'm not going to go and confront you directly. or I'm not going to have that conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you miss the opportunity to build clarity or build perspective, right? Mm-hmm. You approach it without the idea of a confrontation happening, but instead like, I wonder what else could be true of this interaction or why, like, why am I feeling this way? Why are they doing what they're doing? Right. And you're going in that, that curious mind, you'll find that it'll, it actually will be a win-win conversation because mm-hmm. both parties will walk out like we did with an uh, understanding of what the other party needs, but also how do we work together going forward? <laughs> right. And that's, that's where curiosity can lead to sort of these courageous e- events. But, so many people are so afraid of the escalation side of it because when you don't have emotional regulation, when you don't have, you know, sort of the tools to be able to understand that most people do things not in spite of you or to attack you, but you are, you know, oftentimes either collateral damage or an unintended impact, right? And so just knowing that keep living and you'll be on one side of the or the other, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and how people approach it, you know, it makes a difference in how the outcomes end up being. And oftentimes, like in my experience, when you like when you approach it the way that you approached it, Maggie, with me, it isn't going to lead to this sort of like, you know, Cold War situation that just keeps escalating where nobody is wanting to talk or it's, you know, mind games after that. And we're just going to keep trying to get even with each other without actually doing, you know, um, like clearly out of bound things mm-hmm. and i think th- those are the those are the realities that many people still face inside of their cor- their companies and their teams yeah and we talk a lot about vulnerability um in the book and just in general at softway we talk a lot about it and about how that's kind of the key to building relationship with people and i think yeah. a lot of times people hear that and think oh then i need to go to chris and share that you know, my grandmother's dog died today. And so like, I'm feeling really sad. Like it doesn't have to mean that it doesn't have to mean disclosing. It can, like it definitely can and and should to some degree, but Mm -hmm. that was also a moment of vulnerability for, for both of us, because I, I I do think I cried in that meeting probably uh, if I'm, if I'm I'm remembering correctly. And so that to me, I don't cry in front of people a lot. And so that to Mm -hmm. me in and of itself, like me being that, frustrated about the situation and and nervous to like come to you and show those nerves was vulnerable to me. And then you apologizing and being humble about it was vulnerable, I'm assuming to you. And so um, that I think strengthened our relationship. Like we, we were friendly before then and, and had a basis of relationship, but I feel like from there on out, we had a much stronger relationship. And now, um, 
we share TikToks. Yeah. Every day <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, what's crazy is like going back to that, that specific conversation. I remember like in my head, I'm like, do I just, do I tell her that I've been like, I, it wasn't intentional and hear all the things that I was doing while like, right. You, you, anyone who's sort of put into that room would probably be thinking of like, how do I help her understand my side of this? How do I help her see that this was not intentional? And like, there's all these other things and all these other plates spinning. And then I was like, I don't think she cares about that to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she cares about that. Well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you this story and, and it, it doesn't sound like it will relate, but I promise it does. So I, okay. I have a nephew and he's four and this year. So my sister had um, some accident where she broke her leg this year. And so she couldn't walk for like two months probably. And it mm-hmm. happened to be over Halloween. So she couldn't go with her husband to take their three kids trick or treating. So I offered to go, um, with them to like help keep track of all of them. And so my nephew, it was his first Halloween, not in the pandemic where he could remember walk up to houses, say trick or treat. And so he's very excited. Mm -hmm. And so he got, and he's very extroverted. He's like the most Mm -hmm. extroverted one in our entire family. And so he would go and go up with his sisters and, and knock on the door and say trick or treat. And, uh, Mm -hmm. then he'd, after they'd give him candy, he said, can I come look in your house? And, and, you know, they would say most of them would just laugh and think it was cute. And, but usually it's a no, like it's a no, but he, he, he knows how to ask for what he wants. And that's kind of a silly example, but like, you need to be able to ask for what you're needing in the moment, but also be okay. If it's a no, like Chris, if you had come to me and said, Hey, I cannot guarantee you that this won't happen again and it might happen all the time like I had to be okay with that going into that conversation I had Mm -hmm. to be the act of just bringing it up had to be enough in order to move forward if you're going to go there and expect Chris to solve all your problems or the symbol of Chris to solve all your problems (laughs) like you're not going to walk away from that satisfied so exactly um yeah that's just the last kind of piece that I've learned from it since then of like just personally, but I think that's a powerful way to end, to be honest, because that is like, that is maturity, (laughs) right? (laughs) And if we had more of that inside of our workplaces, like, oh my gosh, how far would we go? Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, thank you for joining me for this conversation, revisiting that very fun conversation that we had. And um, we're looking forward to doing more episodes like this in the future, Um, just deep diving into small aspects of each chapter of the book. If you have not read the book, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on our website, loveisabusinessstrategy.com. We would love for you to get a copy um, and tell us what you think. So with that... We'll talk to you guys later. Goodbye. Bye.